Whether it's digital or analog design that keeps you busy, today it's all about the experience. This is Experience by Design, a podcast exploring the latest trends and solutions helping create the most intriguing experiences you can imagine and the ones you can't. Hosted by Brian Mazaros. Welcome to another episode of the Experience by Design podcast. I'm your host, Brian Mazaros, and today we welcome Jerry Harris, Senior Director, Exhibited Graphics and AV Services at Georgia Aquarium. Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta, Georgia is one of the world's most dynamic aquariums, containing more than 10 million gallons of water and one of the largest collections of aquatic animals, a nonprofit that aims to deliver entertaining and educational visitor experiences. Georgia Aquarium promotes the conservation and aquatic biodiversity through the world and is an accredited member of the Association of Zoos and Aquariums and the Alliance of Marine Mammal Parks and Aquariums. So I'd like to welcome to the show uh, a good friend, uh, Jerry Harris. Welcome. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for joining. No problem. Always a, a pleasure to catch up with you. Absolutely. <laughs> so how's everything been? So if you could just talk a little bit about the aquarium and what your role is over there. So, um, you know, George Aquarium is uh, approaching their 15th year uh, anniversary. Um, we opened in uh, 2005. And uh, it's been a roller coaster ride ever since. Um, my experience uh, before coming to the aquarium was uh, all associated with multimedia. But when I found out they were going to be so te- technologically advanced, I decided hmm, maybe I should throw my hat in the ring and, and try to work with this company. And um, sure enough, uh, I was I was hired on uh, in 2005 and been here uh, ever since. And so my role has evolved, of course, from from 15 years ago. There was no such thing as as 4K. <laughs> But let alone 2K back then. So um, I remember those days <laughs> exactly. Um, so we, um, our, my department is the creative services team. So it, it evolved from just exhibits and graphics and audiovisual services to more of a creative services um, to to extended departments. And so that encompasses our audiovisual department, who manages our integrations, installations, you know, AV components throughout the facility. Um, the video production team is obviously responsible for getting all the content um, prepared for whether it's an animal ID and identifications or um, on-site promos for whatever services that we're offering. And of course, that we do training videos as well. Um, and then most recently with the video production uh, team, we've had to develop virtual content you know, because of COVID-19. So yeah. uh, that's been been really big on, on our on our on our plate because you know, with not as many people coming to the aquarium, uh, they're, they're clamoring for more content, especially at home and those that are, are, are teaching uh, from home. And then, of course, our exhibits and graphics department, you know, they're responsible for, you know, design concepts and the production of, of a host of graphical elements throughout the building, whether it's print or digital. So it's kind of the whole plethora of, of creative services uh, that uh, that I, I, I tend to manage. So so then what's it been, been like over the past couple of months? Because you mentioned streaming, and I've seen a lot of aquariums that have been really adopting that and have been doing more. And so, I mean, what have, what's it been like? What, what kind of the challenges have you guys had? Well, yeah, I mean, when we had to close our doors uh, back in early spring, um, we had to had to pivot. And, and as a whole facility, we had to pivot and go, okay, so now the doors are closed. What are we going to do? How are we going to stay relevant? And the key was to, you know, go virtual, you know, whatever we could do virtual, whether it was, 
you know, educational tours, um, you know, group tours, whatever the case may be, we, we were doing as much virtual content and building as much virtual content as possible. And it turns out that that virtual content was, was something that people really wanted because you had, you know, uh, kids at home and, and parents are like, okay, so what am I going to do with these kids? You know, I got to find some content for them or something for them to do because everybody had to stay at home. And so we were trying to stay as relevant as we could. And I, I got to give hats off to our PR team because they really did a great job from a social media aspect of getting the message out there about, you know, what we're doing. You know, we had puppies in the building at one time. We were videotaping puppies, um, you know, walking <laughs> around the aquarium. It's just such, such a cute thing. And that was, that was you know, spearheaded, of course, by our, our PR department. And so those things help us stay relevant. And then for, for my team immediate, you know, we, we were working on educational videos, um, which called, they come up with a name called deep sea learning. And basically they were about five or seven minute videos that just talked about, you know, different habitats or different animals and things of that nature. And we try to keep it very, you know, somewhat whimsical, somewhat tongue in cheek and cheek. And, uh, and it worked out, it's worked out pretty well. And been people still are going to the, to the website to, to download that virtual content. So. I was going to say that do you see that as something that you you're just going to continue to produce for or do you see skewing away from that as the environment opens up a bit more i think there will always be uh, an element of, of virtual um as you know you know with facebook and all the rest of the social media um uh, avenues there's always content that's needed and so you know even when you know we're, we get back to you know 100 percent or t- to the point where uh, some sense of normalcy i see virtual still being a part of that um in, in terms of either edu- from an educational aspect because there may be people that are on the side of the world that still want to know well what what is the habitat of a whale shark what it, what, it, what do they eat you know those types of things that may not be able to get here so i i see that you know being a, a continuation even when we get back to some sort of normalcy. Do you, do you think this is a, a good thing and just that you've been able to you know, broaden the audience for the aquarium so that more people have been been finding out about you just because of how accessible? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, nowadays it's all about how do you stay relevant, you know, and and, and, and for us it's relevancy for, uh, for a purpose, you know, not just be relevant to be relevant, you know, not to just throw out any sort of, you know, TikTok video just so people continue to give us, you know, likes and things of that nature. But, you know, what the aquarium does in regards to, you know, and, and taking care of animals and even beyond just what we do in the facility, what we do abroad, um, whether it's, you know, health assessments on dolphins or sea lions or what have you, we're looking at ways of bringing that message to people. And sometimes it's just, you know, we have to do it through vir- virtually because even, you know, those of us who work here at the aquarium, all of us don't get a, get a chance to go out and work in the field. Um, but being able to bring that experience, you know, from a digital aspect um, and then sharing it with the world virtually, you know, yet again, makes it makes it relevant and make and it shows that we really do care about what we're doing here at the aquarium. So do you think it's been good? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've seen what others have been doing. I mean, do you, do you think it's just it's good just for in general of what all the aquariums have been doing during this time? It's, it seems like they provided that education, you know, zoos and museums and, and aquariums. I mean, I kind of applaud the effort that, that they've been putting forward and, and having things out there so that parents can entertain and, and, and still educate. Yeah. I mean, like I said, ha- you know, hats off to, to our team for, you know, recognizing, Hey, we got to pivot. We got to do, we got to yeah. do something. Um, but then, you know, for, you know, our, our parents and, and those that are going to our website, that are looking for content. 
I think it's a great thing that that we've done. Uh, Zoo Atlanta has done the same thing, and several other aquariums, zoos and aquariums around around the world, around the country at least, um, have done the same thing. And so, you know, at the end of the day, it's how do I get information that's relevant to the parents, the teachers, to the students, and you know, something that they can learn while they're you know self quarantining or having to stay at home and things of that nature. Because, you know, you know, with with kids, it, it's how do you how do you keep them motivated, engaged, you know, give them some, some things to think about, you know, and, and so when we get back to the point where there is a sense of normalcy, the hope is that they found out about well shark through some sort of virtual mechanism and then they actually want to come and actually see the animal, you know, that kind of thing. And that's that's key for us as well. So then what happens now with the transition? So you know, I mean you pivoted to doing um, you know, online and, and and streaming and so now is things start to slowly reopen you know, how do you see that experience shifting or and, and and have you started to focus on you know what the new experience looks like in the aquarium so you know when we reopen obviously the first thing that we had to do was was focus on social distancing and making sure that you know we're following the cadence of our local local officials and, you know, mandatory masks and things of that nature. So my team's role in that was two part. One, um, the digital signage network that we have in place, uh, we made sure that we were educating our guests about, okay, you know, proper hand washing. And it may seem very trivial as to having to tell people, you know, wash your hand for 20 seconds. But I think it's vital that that message is, is constantly, you know, sent to them without, without being too over the top. I think they will. They get a sense of the Georgia Aquarium takes it very serious in trying to minimize or, li- or limit the exposure, um, and so we find ourselves doing that through a digital mechanism by saying, "Please wash your hands for twenty seconds." You know, masks are mandatory, and then also encouraging guests to um, use their mobile devices to engage with the you know different exhibits and things of that nature as well so what we we stopped giving out our dive cards and dive cards are basically um animal facts cards that everybody it's a laminated card that we would hand out to everybody and so we stopped doing that because we wanted to minimize you know how the exposure and so by putting qr codes in several places and say hey download our app or if you want to attend you know go to this particular animal experience you know, use a QR code to sign up for it. So it was very, we're minimizing how much hands-on um, that we had had to do. And um, we also looked at other ways of, you know, still utilizing our interactive components um, and, and minimizing the spread as well. So um, I looked at this kind of like this copper film and seeing how well it would work, you know, if somebody were to, you know, touch an exhibit. And then, um, you know, they say, you know, it has to be 24 hours before, you know, the, the virus or, or germs are, yeah. are dissipated on this. So maybe that wasn't, you know, it was at least something that we tried to do, but not the effectiveness of it is, you know, really not sure. But we know that having hand sanitizer stations in close proximity to where these interactive components are further emphasizes to guests, yes, experience the this particular um, engagement, but also be sure to sanitize your hands before and after. So that's interesting. So you're the first person I've heard to talk about use of a film. You know, I've, I mean, we've seen it and we've, we've all been reading at different approaches. Has that helped in making people feel comfortable and in, in touching something or do you see the adverse effect? 
to, to be honest, I, I can't say that it is it has helped or hindered. To be honest, um, I know we put it on our you know those high touch areas. Um, our, our security team put it on our elevator buttons because those are some of the key areas where people touch all the time. Yeah. And so, um, in terms of interactivity, you know, we have a couple of iPad kiosks on premise, and I tried to apply the film to it, but we lose some of the sense the the, the touch sensitivity. Um, on the on the iPad, and so I was like, mm, maybe this is not this is not a good, good way of doing it. Um, so you know, we kind of rotated or pivoted to okay, let's put a hand sanitizer station nearby so that people are inclined to use it, you know, uh, prior and, and post um, to the experience. So well, but I think that's the challenge. You know, I think a, a lot have interactives, and so I mean, you've seen it, I'm sure. Some have shut down complete exhibits because of not wanting to have people touch screens and, and others have done hand sanitizing um, and just any other methods to, to make people feel comfortable. So I, I guess, I know it's kind of interesting because th- th- does it take away from the overall experience? Because it, it, it seems like there is this shift to more hands-on experiences at Aquarium. That's just sort of what you expect. Right. But, you know, this is, this is, a, new, this yeah. is a new paradigm that none of us have experienced before. And so when we first opened, we did shut down, you know, several of the interactives. Um, let me say, you know, due to to minimize the spread, you know, this interactive um, is, we won't say out of order, but um, the touch sensitivity has been turned off, if you will. So we just basically, it becomes a digital billboard, a non-interactive digital billboard. Um, but, you know, as you watch the guests uh, go through and experience the aquarium, um, they tend to they tend to touch, but then they they do sanitize. Some of them have their own uh, bottles of uh, hand sanitizer. Some have you know, alcohol wipes or whatever, and they will you see them actually, you know, using those things because while they they've paid good money to come experience the aquarium, they want to get as much out of it as safely as they can um, at, at the at the aquarium. So we had um, touch tanks that we uh, delayed opening. Just because you know, for the sheer fact that they were they're, they're touch tanks, and so we wanted to make sure that we slowly, you know, got back to the that interactivity, and uh, and it has worked out phenomenally with our, our touch touch some of our touch uh, experiences. Yeah, because that's, that's I mean, that's another question too. Is you know, as it shifts from you know digital to you know, these other kinds of you know physical interactions, like I guess the question is, is like, what do you see? happening when you know we are return able to return back to normal you know we can we can feel comfortable about touching feel comfortable about interacting you know how does that shape the experience i mean it, does it go back to normal uh, are people more comfortable with hands-on like where do you see that happening like how's that transition so i i think once we get back to to the way things were you know sense of normalcy um you know, people will will get back. Will will use the interactivity as as they once did, um, and of course, that's obviously with the with with the shift in feeling that okay, the vaccine is working, or you know, we've got a real handle on the numbers of the number of, of positive COVID cases that are going down. I think the psyche is people want to get out, people want to experience yep. things. But then they know they have to be safe about it. I need to wear a mask if I'm going out in public. You know, I need to, you know, either wear gloves or, you know, or, you know, hand use hand sanitizer as often as you can or wash my hands thoroughly as frequently as I can. 
And so I think we'll get back to it. And then for us here at the Aquarium, we're always looking for the, the, the next thing from a technological standpoint of how do we engage guests? You know, you know, NFC has been around, near field communication has been around for quite some time, but I think it still has its place even more so now because if you, you know, you set up beacons around the facility and you trigger, you know, people's devices as they walk in proximity to, to those, uh, those beacons, now you expanding the experience a little bit more and say, oh, did you know, or be sure to see this and that kind of thing. And that kind of gives them more engaged. And really when people come to a facility like ours, it's just to get a break from the norm is to how do I get a little bit of entertainment? How do I learn about animals that I probably would never get a chance to see? Or, you know, that maybe I saw when I was on a trip, you know, when I was diving somewhere and they wanted to get, you know, there's a connection to the under, the aquatic world. Um, how do we, you know, invoke technology to play as a part of that, you know, that kind of thing. But do you see a challenge that, you know, as you start to look at these other technologies, like you were saying, more sensory-based or sensor-based experiences, is it a is it a challenge? Like when you inject that into a, a particular experience or, or exhibit, um, you, know, you have to educate people what to expect, and and I think you also have to backfill with content to make that feel you know authentic, so it's part of the experience. Like, how do you find that challenge? Correct. So what we don't want to do is do technology for the sake of doing technology because it doesn't come across as you know authentic or it's like you're just kind of forcing it because it's the new hot thing um you know when we opened our first virtual experience here we were we weren't 100 percent sure about how well it was going to going to work because we're like okay so we have the real thing that you're coming to this facility to experience yet we have a vr simulator that you can experience as well and what what it did was it was the content that was the key of course and, and as you know you and i've been in this business for a long time content is the key and so this um, vr experience that we have kind of takes you into a a prehistoric realm uh, aquatic uh world and so the real the relationship between you know actual the real thing and then this prehistoric virtual world kind of go hand in hand and so like i said we're always looking for ways to invoke technology and, and make it and do it for a purpose and making it easy for for you know your youngest participant to to be involved with as well as your oldest guests to be involved with and making sure that they don't have to read a whole manual on how to you know use an experience prior to using it it should be pretty self-explanatory and playing off of some of the things that they may have experienced before you know um, you know for instance you know QR codes, for for example, when you scan a QR code, it activates our app. There may be a game on the app that you have to kind of walk around and hold your camera up to an animal. And then that animal will pop up on your camera and the information about that animal. So now you have some information about this animal. And so now that's a, a non-touch experience, but yet it enhances your experience. Uh, none. QR code, the, uh, the app that never dies. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I thought it was a, a dead thing. You know, even a couple of years ago, and then all of a sudden, there's a resurgence of it, and it it has its place. You know, yeah. especially with the the more the mobile devices make it a part of the base software, the better. Because I can remember when there was a disconnect with um, the Apple products. You know, you had to download an app to scan a QR code. Yeah, it wasn't part of the camera. It wasn't part of the camera. 
But when they did the update, it became a part of the camera. And then we that's, and we literally saw a resurgence of people being able to use use the uh, QR codes because of that. You know, I mean, it's nice now that you see the iPhone being able to do NFC. But, um, you know, I still think you have to take into consideration of the audience and, and, and are they aware of that and then how to use it. So there, I think there's a learning curve that you have to account for. There is. And, you know, I got to, you know, give uh, kudos or hats off to our guest programs and guest services team as well, because they actually have the QR codes on like their name badge or their um, their prox cards. Uh-huh. And so they'll tell guests, hey, would you like to, you know, download our map or our, uh, our app? And so they'll basically hold it up and have them scan the QR code because some people don't know. And once they do it that one time, then you see them pulling out their phones all around the facility when they see a QR code. Say, oh, I can do this. I can do this, that kind of thing. So part of it is educating them in the very beginning, you know, at the the beginning of their experience. And then because if it's that simple, I just turn my camera on and hold it up and all of a sudden, boom, it takes me to the website. Boom. There you go. Do you think it makes it challenging though? So so I'm kind of curious. So you talked about looking at the behaviors of, of the audience and the visitors. So are, are you going to, I mean, do you take that and, and learn from that and then try to you know, figure out with everything that you've learned, like, how do you make that next best experience? Like, are you, are you looking at the learnings? Are you looking at, you know, thinking about how people interact with technology and applying that to future experiences, new exhibits? Yes. So we take into account, um, and there, there are different levels of, of learning. Um, you know, most of the time it's going to be, you know, your, your, so I'll say your 12 year olds, cause I have a 12 year old daughter, your, your, whenever they first get their cell phone, they, it's like they're geniuses when it comes to, to knowing how to use the phone. But then of course you get, you get into some of the older crowds. They're like, mm, I don't know how to use that. But yeah. nine times out of 10, when they come to our facility, they're coming with their grandkids or with their children. And so the kids are automatically, you know, I know how to do this. And so they'll be the ones that kind of leading the family tour, if you will. And so as we look at those behaviors and those and how people are experiencing and engaging with Habitat or different services that we offer here at the aquarium, um, we, we learn from that and then see, okay, what's on the horizon? What's out there that we could, you know, maybe even start doing a little bit of beta testing now um, in, in hopes that it'll be something that we can, you know, you know, merge or leverage um, into some sort of habitat or, you know, there may be, you know, we want to give you a first person perspective on what it feels like to be a whale shark or a manta or an eel. And, and you know, obviously you have to do with something with goggles or maybe just do it with the phone. But, uh-huh. you know, if we're looking, looking forward, but taking that data from what our guests are experiencing, um, good and bad, then we can say, you know what, we tried this, it didn't work because of X, but if we had done this, this, and this, then maybe it would have been much better for the greater good uh, that experienced the aquarium. So yes, we are paying attention to what they're saying on all fronts, you know, from the customer service, from the transaction experience from the beginning before you even come to the aquarium. So we've taken all that in into account and say, okay, you know what, this was a success. However, this wasn't. So, hey, let's let's learn from this and and, and, and move forward. And any way you can do it from a digital uh, standpoint that resonates with as many of your guests as possible, I think you're, you're, you're headed in the right direction. Do you see a little bit of experimenting in, in the future um, right now? Just, you know, things that maybe you've seen that you're going to try in the next couple of months? Um, 
you know, the, the immersion experiences that I'm, you know, reading about on, on different uh, forums and, and, and seeing happening. Of course, you have, um, you know, space issues and, or should I say, um, if you don't have the footprint to be able to do yeah. certain type of experiences, you may, you know, you say, okay, that'd be great to do, but we don't have the, the space for it. Or if you're doing a two, five, seven, ten year plan, say, okay, you know what? This technology is still raw right now, but I see how we could use this in the future. Let's put that into the planning, you know, at least the forecasting of what's the next wow or the that wow element to this animal habitat. And so if you kind of plan it in as you're you're doing those two, five, seven, ten year planning, then you have the opportunity to, to use a, an immersive environment and so, so forth and so on. But it's all, you know, really, how do you tell that story? And, you know, you can tell it with a mobile device as a one-to-one -one experience, or you can tell it a one-to-many experience where a family experiences, you know, this immersive environment. The key is when they walk into this facility, they learn something about an animal that they may not even know existed. And then two, are you encouraged to do something when you leave? You know, are you going to join a river cleanup uh, group or are you going to be mindful of the things you're pouring down the drain? Because all waters lead back to the ocean. And so um, that's that's the hope that, you know, Georgia Aquarium, you know, that we edutain, you know, in the process. But you also learn something at the same time. I was going to say, it seems like there's this shift in, in the way the experiences are in aquariums. I mean, you, you have exhibit areas, but then... And before everything was happening, it seemed you started to shift to a bit of a storytelling or, or put you in this role of, of educating you, uh, kind of like we're saying, like how you can help the environment, how to help the ocean. Um, I mean, do you see that as just a shift in general that a lot more aquariums or even you guys are going to be focusing on? Yeah, I, I see how, you know, telling a story as it relates to a particular animal. For, for instance, um, can can resonate even more with 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 a guest. Um, you know, part of part of what you experienced on what we call the dry side is you're looking into this window, into this environment that okay, this animal thrives in this particular you know ecosystem, and then you know this could be a freshwater ecosystem, but then when you go on the other side of the aquarium, it's a saltwater ecosystem, and so you know. How come a whale shark can't survive in a river or how come a eel can't survive in the ocean? It's it's those stories. If you can tell those stories without, you know, making the animal seem as though it's a, it has a, a human characteristic. It's more of how do you, you know, tell a story that maybe even resonates with a particular guest um, that making them think that, you know, if this was in my backyard, I, it was, this would be great to, to go scuba diving, to be able to to you know, visit a coral reef up close and, and, and personal. And like I said earlier, you know, if you, if it resonates with the guests and they make them feel as though this is right in your backyard, mm -hmm. then you may be compelled to, you know, recycle. You may be compelled to join a river cleanup club, club or, you know, not pour certain things down the drain or so forth and so on. So, you know, it's just one of those things where if you can connect with people and tell a story in the process, I think you're, you're hitting a home run or you're, you're firing on all of the cylinders. Uh, when it comes to that experience because what we want to do is we want to turn you not into just a single guest but turn you into a member you become a member and now you you are part of the team that you know believes in this, this aquatic environment and you know protecting you know these animals for generations to come do you think it's made it a little bit easier um you know to create that connection 
So I'm just thinking you, you were talking about everything you were doing during the shutdown. So the live streams, the education, and then it seems, you know, as you have these experiences, you're connecting people to a story. Do you think sort of those lessons learned and what it was doing to generate content during the shutdown is going to help to create those long-standing relationships those, so that, you know, kids can check back in and see how the animals are doing, or, or there's just a story they can just check in when they want to without having to be at the aquarium? Um, you know, there are stories and, and, and things that we periodically talk about. To, to keep people engaged. I'll, I'll, as an example, um, we had a baby beluga that was that was born, and her name is Shyla, and she's, okay. she's doing fantastic. And so, before the the aquarium was op- was reopened, um, she was born. And so, what happens is you tell this story through you know our PR team tells it through social media and, and so forth, and uh, and then it creates almost this anticipation of. Well, as soon as the aquarium's open, gotta go see this baby beluga. And then of course you just want to follow her story, you know, as they develop more content for it. So that when, you know, if people, you know, haven't been to the aquarium in a while or they, you know, they have family members that come into town during the holidays, you know, um, say, Hey, we gotta go see the baby beluga, see how she's doing, because I saw her back in, you know, June, but it's now December, you know, wanna see her how, how she's grown and things of that nature. So I think yet that yet yet again, that's a story that you can tell. And you can continue to tell that story because it's it's life, it's a growth, it's something that, you know, you, you, you watch it, you know, it's being born, but then now it's it's, it's living and it's and you're telling that story as as the life, the, the days, months, weeks, years go go along, and so that creates a connection. And some people do, have, you know, they just come back to see a particular animal because they just you know love belugas or love whale sharks or. But it's a human connection that you're creating. So you, you just naturally want to stay connected to it and, and, and learn more about it, even, you know, post the experience. Exactly. And so if you can do that, you know, from a virtual standpoint and, and, and keep that connectivity there, then, you know, people are more inclined to, to come become members, as I mentioned earlier, so that they can come back whenever they want to and bring family members, bring, bring friends. And then they, they can share their own stories through social media, say, I remember when, you know, Shiloh was born and I was, you know, I got to see her when she was, you know, eight weeks old and so forth and so on. So. I actually just thought of something, just to go back to something you said before about, about space here. Um, do you think, you know, we all know about social distancing and, and, and the spaces and especially the space that's needed for new exhibits, like how, I mean, do you think that that's um, a detractor or do you think that's that's negative for some aquariums that mes- necessarily don't have the space to build out? Or I mean, how do they navigate that type of situation? Does, does it become more reliance on, on technology or like where – and do you think that's an issue if they don't have that opportunity to build out? Um, in terms of – of opportunity to build out it's really based on you know what it is you want to do because you can have a 10 by 10 room or a 10 foot by 10 foot room and, and pulse people through and have having an, an immersive experience or you can have a you know 30 foot by 30 foot room with an oval circle that people walk into and, and or oval space that people walk into and experience so i don't know if it's a it's a detractor and you know it's really based on 
real estate, you know, and how much space do I have? You know, I want to create this experience. How do I create this experience in, in, a, in a confined space? Or do I utilize an existing space that takes people in different different levels, different realms, if you will? So you may you may have you know a couple of rooms that are connected in such such a way that you have one experience here, and then you move to a new experience, and then you move to another experience. We 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 did that some years ago with some of our exhibits, our traveling exhibits. Uh, you may be familiar with the uh, Titanic exhibit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a traveling exhibit that you know. We didn't have just one open space for them to to utilize. It was okay. We're fitting them into a series of spaces and and taking people on a journey. Uh, this this Titanic um, experience, but you're going through these different rooms because we didn't knock down a bunch of walls or anything of that nature. So um, it just made it that for us it worked out because we had the footprint. But then they had much more that we could have put in place, but we didn't have the space. You know so. Do you guys do a lot of collaboration with with other aquariums and, and just whether it's from observation on how they're tackling certain experiences or just joint efforts and coming up with something new? Do you tend to collaborate? Um, I guess it depends on you know what the what the subject matter is. And for example, um, we we did a, a project. Uh, or we we a project spawned from the work that Monterey Bay had done with their uh, seafood savvy um, program, and it was all about sustainability. And so, because they had done so much of the lead work, um, and we wanted to have something here to to educate people about, you know, sustainable practices in regards to seafood. And so, you know, by leveraging what they they had done. And getting their, you know, input and, and approval, of course, on 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 using some of their data. Um, I guess you could say that that collaboration, um, well, was a success. And, and it's just educating people beyond our four walls about sustainable seafood practices and, and getting maybe restaurants and things of that nature on board as well. So, um, but in terms of collaboration, you know, from time to time we might, you know, and, and of course everything is spawned from the the animal perspective sure. so that would be the husbandry husbandry team you know kind of spearheading it and if there's a digital component say if there's an exhibit that they're developing and and so you know we have to figure out how do we help tell that story about this particular animal but the collaboration may have been initiated just by two um uh two people in the in the animal in the animal world saying hey you have so-and-so species, we have so-and-so species. Why don't we work together and share the, the, the knowledge transfer of, you know, how we can, you know, tell the story about this particular, this particular animal. So, well, so what's, I mean, if I can leave it with this, like what's, what's next, you know, I mean, what, you know, what's kind of in the near future for the aquarium? Um, you know, once, again, once everything kind of gets back to, to normal, I mean, what, what are you excited about? I mean, what are you seeing? You know, um, like I said before, I'm always looking at, you know, those beta t- beta type projects that are being talked about, but, you know, and some, some people, you know, in some sort of think tank are, are working on new collaborative ways of, of experiencing environments such as this. And so of course, VR is, is always evolving, always, um, they look, 
reaching new heights in terms of you know the content and and the the immersive experience and so i'm I'm just looking for ways to to tell that story you know through a digital a, a digital lens if you will uh, about a particular species of animal you know um, there's I'm not privy to any what the animal species are that are on the horizon in the two, five, or seven year plan, but whatever it is, um, we're going to do our best to make sure that when we tell that story to the public um, from a digital aspect, that they, you know, it re- really resonates with them, and, and we're able to to create those experiences that are you know longstanding. You know, kid, whenever you, know, you hear kids say, "Hey, I, I got to go back to the aquarium because I got to go see, you know, so and so," you know, that kind of thing. That's when you know you've done done your due diligence in, in reaching the, the the public and especially if you can do it from a digital standpoint because nowadays kids are all about digital so if you can figure out a way to connect this very very real experience with a digital component that enhances that experience you know home run well i was down there a couple of years ago so uh, you know i will say uh, from a first hand perspective you guys do an amazing job in that aquarium um, it is it is very well done. Uh, the stories and the exhibits are uh, are worth visiting. So um, it is it is one I highly recommend. Well, thank you, sir. We appreciate that. No, it's 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 very true. Um, so if you can let everyone know, I mean, how can they learn more about the aquarium, um, plan their visits, um, all the things that are that are out there? Yeah, I mean, real simply, I mean, go to georgiaaquarium.org. And, um, you know, click on, you know, the, the experience, uh, the ticketing, um, you know, if you're not from the Atlanta area, be sure to kind of explore, you know, where we are in proximity to other, other experiences uh, in the city. And, um, but yeah, go to georgiaquarium.org and, you know, we look forward to seeing, seeing you here. Um, but right now you need to wear your mask. So be sure you bring a mask when you come, but, um, but we look forward to having you. Awesome. Well, Jerry, thank you very much for uh, for taking the time to chat. Always a pleasure. No problem, Brian. It's a pleasure, man. Look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, likewise. Well, again, uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Experience by Design podcast. As always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at OpenEyeGlobal and join me again as we continue to have a conversation on different perspectives on experience design. Thanks for listening.